you so much for tuning in today to listen to the Enneagram Journey podcast with the Enneagram Godmother, Suzanne Stabile. My name is Joel, and I will be along for today's conversation with Enneagram 5, Morgan Harper Nichols. You may be familiar with Morgan from her Instagram account and social media following, or you've heard her excellent music. I just got done listening to Storyteller and Hear, both songs that she did with Jamie Grace, or maybe you're someone who has bought her new book of poetry, All Along You Were Blooming. Or maybe you don't even know her yet, but you're going to get to know her in today's podcast when we learn a wealth of information about Enneagram Fives, uh, how they are similar and different from twos, what does it look like for a five looking for belonging, fives and the lenses they look through, uh, stories and their power, and how is control an illusion? Before we get to the episode, though, an announcement or two. One, the June Enneagram Bootcamp with Suzanne has been moved to July. Uh, the new dates are July 16th through the 19th. And with that move, there are going to be some spots that are going to open up. So look for that to happen. It sold out really fast. And also, while we are all practicing safe social distancing and self-quarantining, and all the other things to uh, take care of our communities and our families. But you want to be part of an Enneagram group, the Enneagram Journey curriculum is now available digitally. So visit lifeinthetrinityministry.com, get yourself a guide, call up a couple people and uh, get a little FaceTime or Zoom group or Skype group started and walk through the curriculum together. It's really fantastic. Right now we've got I think it's like over 1,200 people going through it. So join them. That's enough for me. Let's go ahead and get to episode 81 of the Enneagram Journey with Enneagram 5, Morgan Harper Nichols. Together today will help a lot of other people on their journeys. It's um, very honoring of our work that you're willing as a young five to be this available. So thank you for making time for us and for wanting to be part of conversations that you don't have any control over much after the conversation's over. I'm very interested in what you do uh, professionally. I'm very interested in the choices that you've made personally. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, you as a five being married to an eight. I'm excited to talk about you as a mom with a little one, nine months old, who <laughs> needs a lot. And so I, I don't exactly know where to start. I think the place I'd, I'd like to start with is you shared with us that you were in your way, in your words, kind of looking for belonging as a five. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. I'm always looking for belonging as a two, but that's mm -hmm. expected. And honestly, in all the years that I've been teaching the Enneagram and talking to folks, I don't think I've ever heard a five talk about belonging. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me about that. Yes. So it was definitely a lot of life experiences <laughs> that led me to that. And some of the pivotal ones were 
Um, I don't really think I knew it was a need of mine until kind of high school, moving into college. Um, I was homeschooled. I grew up in a small town. I was a preacher's kid um, in a small church. And my community was always pretty small. Um, And I always felt like, I, I would say the word I think I would use is maybe safe to just kind of like retreat to my room when I needed to. And and I didn't really have much of a need to, I don't know, I, I didn't have a lot of friends, but I wasn't like, it didn't bother me. Like it right. wasn't something, because I, I spent most of my time just in my room doodling, writing, and um, that's how I love spending my free time. And I, I like going outside too, but I would just kind of play by myself. <laughs> like That was just sort of how, how I was. And I had a really pivotal moment actually, um, I told my mom, I was like, I want to go to public school. And she said, okay. And in ninth grade, she went and enrolled me at the uh, local public school, public high school. And one of the very first days I I was sitting there, I got early. I always got there early. (laughs) I got there early before classes started and I was sitting in the cafeteria. I was eating lunch by myself. I didn't even question it. I wasn't even like, oh, I need to make friends. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, here to, here to learn, here to be. And I was sitting there and there was a boy and a girl, like, I'm pretty sure they were ninth graders too. And they were walking up to the table and, um, they, and the boy got ready to sit down and the girl put her hand on his shoulder and she looked dead at me and said, Oh, don't sit here. No one's sitting here. And they got up and left. And in that moment, I think that was like the first time where I was like, oh, I guess I'm invisible. Maybe that's why I don't have friends. I thought it was just because I kept to myself. Um, and that was a really pivotal moment for me because I went from like the first few days just kind of being by myself and I was fine with it. But then I was like, oh, there's a reason some people aren't talking to me. There's something wrong with me. So that's sort of where it started, where I feel like I was asking questions. I didn't know what it was or or how to fix it or change it. I was just like, I think there's something wrong with me. I think that's why I'm this way and I don't have friends and I don't have community like others do. So I ended up not staying at that high school. I think I lasted like five weeks. Something like that. It was time. (laughs) It was yeah, it was very short lived. Um, and I, and honestly, ended, I just told my mom, I'm like, I just don't think it's for me. And she was like, okay, you can come back home. And I did. And um, yeah, I just feel like I had threads of that. And I would just kind of try to sit it, you know, put it aside. And I'm like, you know, let me just focus on what I do. And there's this weird thing. There's this, I don't know what it is, but um, there's this weird thing about me. And I think it became magnified in college because suddenly it was like, I moved on campus and it's like, you know, you're in close quarters with people all the time. And it's no longer just like this illusion that you hear the illusion that, Oh, somewhere off people are having fun. It's like, no, you hear and you feel their laughter through the walls. Like, (laughs) it's like, Oh yeah, there are people out there doing things and I'm not a part of that. So I would just kind of go back and forth because I was like, I really enjoy my time alone. And I enjoy like, space that I have but at the same time it was just like something inside of me that just really wanted to connect still 
and I just didn't know how, how to go about it. And the closest that I could get was through some kind of art, honestly. Sure. Um, I, my mom, and especially my mom, she was very encouraging. And my dad too, like they're very encouraging of my sister and I being creative. And that was something I always had. And I always felt like if I did make friends or if I did have someone that was like kind of interested in me or what I did, it was through music or artwork or poetry or photography or something. So I was like, well, I'll just do that. <laughs> and honestly, that kind of became, um, in a way, I, I feel like in the beginning, maybe I just kind of hid behind it, but I was just like, I can at least put my art out there, my photography. Like, sure, I've had sure. like 400 different blogs at some point. <laughs> photography <laughs> blogs, um, short fiction blogs, like every kind of blog you could possibly think of. Like, <laughs> it's pretty well. But that was like how I would connect. And um, so, yeah, I think it, it's very interesting because it's like, you know, when I was 20, that was the year that Instagram launched. So as I kind of was transitioning out of college and into adulthood, now I had this thing, social media, where it was like, okay, well, I may not be able to figure out how to connect in person, but at least I can connect here. Like, at least I can share things that I'm interested in. And if somebody cares, and they care. <laughs> if they don't, then they don't. So, um, yeah, that's sort of my journey with, like, just trying to belong, trying to find my group, who my sure. people are. Um, it's, I feel like it's still a question that I have, but I think it's something that I've be, just become more aware of. And honestly, you know, the, the Enneagram was very much so like a huge turning point for me when I started to read about fives because I was like, oh, like, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but it's like, I was like, there's like a group of people who feel the way I feel what I feel like it's just kind of sure sure I'm not I'm not yeah yeah mm -hmm. the Enneagram so, yeah. teaches all of us I think that we're not alone I think it's that seems like a very five thing to say you know I connected with people and made connections through my blog that's right would you mm -hmm. as a two you wouldn't feel connection no. See, through. I would, I, if, as a two if I was blogging with somebody and there was a connection then I'd say, let's meet at Starbucks, <laughs> right? And then I'd say, uh, let's go to a movie. Let's go out to dinner. Let's. And, and so it, it's sort of like um, not all fives are introverts. Mm -hmm. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I am. You're introvert. an introvert. Mm -hmm. And Joel, though, is an introverted seven. Hmm. And I'm a whatever's after extrovert. That's what I am. And... I don't, a lot of people ask me if being an introvert or an extrovert contributes to who you are on the Enneagram. Like if you're introverted, does that mean you're going to be one of these numbers? And if you're an extrovert, you'll be one of these. And the answer to that is no. But I think the way we challenge our personalities is affected by whether or not we're an introvert or an extrovert. Mm. So, um, I, I applaud your willing to continue as a young woman to look for ways to connect beyond what's right around you and beyond your comfort level, because mm. that's going to change your life and Jacob's life. Who's your nine month old. That's going to change everybody's life that you are reaching. And yet 
because you're a five, you have space to wait for people to reach back. And twos don't have that space. Sevens, I don't think, care. <laughs> so as long as there's space. Yeah, as long as there's space, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I, um, I, I want to talk to you about so many things, but before we leave the opening conversation, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the cafeteria and the boy and the girl and the girl saying, nobody's sitting here. And, I, you know, I don't know if this is the mother in me or the Enneagram master teacher in me. I hope it's a combination of both. But you know there are people in the world who could have seen you, but who were all about trying to be with somebody who's more important than they are. And that her nobody meant, oh, I want to be at the table with the cool kids or... Right. I don't, my way of seeing is not to welcome somebody who's sitting here alone. Mm -hmm. And I love that you stayed five weeks and could you tell your mom from me that I said kudos to her for saying, okay, you can go. And then you want to come home and her saying, okay, you can come home. That's good parenting right there. Yeah. One of the, One of the things I had to do in high school that I was just not a big fan of, I was on the, I was in this group called the student empowerment team and uh, did a lot of, a lot of really good things, you know, big buddy program and uh, peer mediation, all, you know, stuff like that. But one of the assignments that we had to do every semester was just the worst. And we uh, went to one of those schools, you know, with 3000 kids and you had to go to the cafeteria during lunch and sit with someone who was sitting by themselves. Yeah. And I was like, even then, I was like, they, I don't want to sit with strangers. There's yeah. a good chance they, they're sitting by themselves for the reason. There's 3,000 kids in this school. Like, they yeah. didn't find a single person that was in. And I swear, one out of four, you know, especially we weren't like the inaugural class to do this. And, you know, you, so people would do about it. And we're wearing our student empowerment team shirt and we walk up and, you know, someone's like, I don't keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, 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 yeah. You're not sitting here with me. I'm fine by myself. You yeah. move on. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I, I also would just point out to you that lots of fives are photographers. Lots of fives are behind lenses. You know, they're looking through something else to get to people. Mm. And uh, I think part of that has to do with your triad because you're in the fear triad. But I also think part of it is this, and I'd love for you to speak to this. The need for fives is to perceive, which means to fully understand. Looking at people or connecting to people through a blog or through art or with, uh, I, I can't remember what your description was of that buffer that's between you and people. Is that to give you space to understand them better? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. For me, I I, I really struggle with, um, you know, small talk, which, you know, that's not exclusive to five. So, like, a lot of people do. Um, but I struggle with being in the present moment and just, like, kind of 
going off of what's there, if that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. like, I like to have a little background, a little information. It makes a ton of sense. And- it, se- it seems like that's, <laughs> you know, taking in information in the moment and then processing it later. Right. Right. And that it seems like that's the perfect yes. medium for doing that. And that's such yeah. a five thing. It mm-hmm. is. And I, you know, we haven't even talked about your energy levels yet, yeah. but because fives have that measured amount of energy, you wouldn't go out into the world the way I do. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who makes everybody miserable by talking to people in elevators that, you know, <laughs> and, and Joel travels with me a lot and he just looks at me across the elevator. Like <laughs> I just wonder if they, can, they can take your bags for you. If that's, if, if, you know. that's so, that's so interesting. Cause I, I, for the, for the longest time was the opposite. However, I've noticed that over the past few years, I've noticed that, um, I can be so quiet that sometimes that invites people to talk to me. It's like, you know, like standing in line or in the elevator. So now I just like, it's mechanical. I'll just like make some little like small talk. Like, yes, I talk. I don't, I go I don't need to be pursued. That I got to write that line down for me. Twos. I'm going to teach this this way. Twos. There are people who don't need to be pursued. <laughs> I go the other way. That's why I love my AirPods. You can just put AirPods in, and, you know, just point at them. If someone starts coming up, oh, mm-hmm, yeah. give them a smile, hand up, AirPods are in. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I just want to say that I, I uh, think we're opposites in some ways when we're out in the world, you and I. And um, this is like the fourth or fifth thing that's happened in the last six months where the world through people I get to talk to is telling me that there are people who don't need to be pursued because I desperately do need to be pursued. And I am learning that I cut people off from pursuing me by pursuing them first. So it must feel so good to you in a way when somebody comes and wants to know you, like not chat with you, but know you. Is that true? Yes. And I, I feel like I feel that the most when, like, I, like I love to read like physical books. Oh, there me times too. Where, <laughs> there I like times to smell I, them. Do you yes, do that? I like the paper. Yes. Oh, me yeah. too. I like it all. <laughs> there's nothing like that. There's, there's been times where I've had strangers ask me like, what are you reading? What is that? Or tell me more about that. And in those moments, it's the most natural for me to just share it with them. Like, I'm like, Oh, here's what I'm reading. Um, and yeah, the cover cover of one of your, of some of your music is with you sitting with all those books in the background. Are those, are those yours? Okay. (laughs) That's, that is, um, actually in the, my childhood library, like my, at my childhood home that my dad built those shelves and, yeah, so I just thought it would be really fitting to to take a picture, take a picture there. Yeah. So Very cool. we used to go to the thrift store every Monday because it was half price day and get a lot of books and <laughs> yeah, go home <laughs> and read where, them. Yeah, that's yeah. I feel like a lot of my a, a lot of my meaningful friendships and and people that I've stayed in touch with over the years now um have come from a shared love of books. Have come from them reading something on my blog and connecting with it. And I I like that. And it's like, I know that life can't always be that way. And lately I've been trying to practice like 
hey, like, I have no idea what this person might be like, but let me just sit and and be present with them. So mindfulness has become a very big thing for me lately because I can... I can, I just I'll get in my head so fast <laughs> and I'm just like oh like what, what is this person like I think one thing for me and I'm trying to really like back down off of is of just like we kind of hinted a little bit to our energy levels like feeling like I don't have much energy and feeling like if someone approaches me for something it could be work related it could be whatever I immediately go to I'm like oh what do they want from me yeah like I may not may not be able to give that to them. Like, oh no, I'm going to let them down. Like, how can I back away? <laughs> like, how can I? So lately I've just been trying to just trust that, you know what, maybe in just like in those moments where I have, where I can so easily share with someone because they've probed at something that I feel more confident in, uh-huh. maybe in those less comfortable settings and those places where I'm not as familiar, I can just like let life happen (laughs) just like let it happen and I definitely feel like becoming a mom is is forcing me to do that yeah (laughs) yeah you know I have like this little human in my house and I'm like oh you're like a whole human being and I don't really know that much about you (laughs) (laughs) you're curious to me I'm like yeah like you you can't talk you can't we're I mean yes we're communicating but I have no idea what you're thinking. Are you even thinking? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel like it's it's definitely on my mind a lot now. Um, just because I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, I don't want to to like overthink my relationship with Jacob. You know, I, I want to sure. be present with him in a way that it's like, like so many of the memories that I have with my parents that I'm like, I don't remember a single word that was said. I don't remember what we talked about. We were just there together. So, yeah. Well, something I'm, I'm working on. <laughs> I have a hundred things to say, so I'm going to just say four of them and see where we go. Um, first of all, uh, the fact that your husband Patrick is an eight m- means that y- you're going to be engaged in the world because he desires that. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that he's an eight will be a good thing for you too because he'll be comfortable leading and talking and mm-hmm. uh, connecting and all, all of those things. So so I think we might want to come back and talk about that. But one of the things I want to talk about one more time in relationship to your parents is that so many fives grew up as children with parents who were pushing them to be more social more in the world, more with other people, more connected, more friends, more, 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 more. What I want people who are parents who are listening to hear is that if you're parenting a five and you let them grow up being who they are, they will figure out their own way of looking for connecting and belonging. You don't have to do that for them. And one of the reasons I want to be so clear about that is because when I was a young parent, I didn't know the Enneagram and I didn't have a child who was a five, but I did have two who were introverted and two who were extroverted. And looking back, I and my husband's an introvert. And I am aware looking back that I kind of pushed all three of them because I think they're so wonderful. I wanted other people to know the wonder 
that I know. And that's a common parenting mistake. And the space that your parents gave you to be you created this wonderful woman that you've become who is out in the world connecting with people in your way. And, you know, visually, I connect quickly with the things that you do and say. It's um, it's like, for me, a connection without touching, which I need to learn to do. So I, I just hope you see it all as mutuality and not as one-sided. I have an awful lot to learn from you, and I'm real, real good at connecting to people. But sometimes it costs them. Yeah. Wow. That, you have no idea how, like, how much that resonated with me when you just said connecting without touching. Yeah. I just like, that. just, I was like, Whoa, never heard that. Like, thank you for saying that. Cause I, it's like, I recognize the, the value in being up close, but I feel like I'm, I've also recognized this value in that space, you know, of that space of just like, I'm just going to put this here for you, but I'm not going to like, like I, I did a project one time where I sat in coffee shops and I just like observed and I wrote poems for people and I feel like this is a very five story and well you're a, like, you're a five so it's real good that's what, I, that, that's why you're I, on you're that's what we're looking and for I, and as I started to share this project online um so many people started asking me they're like well did you give the people the poems and I said, no. They were like, why not? They were finished. They were right there. And I was like, number one, I don't know them. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, I'm not going to walk up to a stranger like, hey, I've been looking at you from afar. Here's a poem. I Would you like to hear my <laughs> observations of your time at the coffee shop? <laughs> like, that's just not my vibe. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. And then the, <laughs> and then the second thing I, I, I said was, I was like, I just believe that there's just something powerful and and beautiful about just like thinking mindfully about others. Right. I'm like, we don't always have to say anything. Like we don't always have to know the story or have an ending. It's like, Oh, I wrote this poem and then I gave it to them. And then they had this whole experience and they wept in the coffee shop. It's like, or it just matters that I noticed someone else that I was sharing space with for that moment. And, you know, I, I just think about that because it's like, I, I love doing projects like that. In the beginning, I was just like, you know, I don't, I think people kind of want a more viral story. You know, it's like, Oh, she wrote a poem and didn't this happen? And it's like, no, I'm okay with like the, just the day by day. And it's like, and when I have those moments and those opportunities to, be up close with people, then I will. And, and I feel like I'm becoming more mindful of like, okay, how can I kind of push out of my comfort zone to have that a little bit more, but I really do enjoy it. And I'm grateful for my parents giving me that space early on because I, I did it. Unlike a lot of other people, I, I don't feel like I had to like try to reclaim that. Like, I feel like I was given permission at a young age to like sit in my room and just draw if I wanted to. So that was a huge, a huge plus, I think, in my life. It's just like, yeah, it, it is so helpful, I think, for fives to have people in their life who 
who can just say like and like you said just trust that the way that they're being in the world like it may not be it may not manifest in the way that it looks for other types but it's like no they're we're bringing something and you may have to like look a little closer observe a little bit or wait a little bit to see but there's something happening there so yeah I'm, I'm just really grateful you said that that <laughs> that was very encouraging good I wanted to ask a question about uh, Suzanne says that for fives to be in a relationship is just it's such a brave courageous thing because they you say they have to they it sacrifice everything. everything and so I would like to hear if you can how like a little bit of backstory between you and your husband Patrick and kind of your take on on that teaching of hers Yes, yes. I've I have heard you say that and I'm like, yes, every time. <laughs> yeah. So my husband was my first boyfriend. <laughs> so that should probably give you some some idea in terms of like I I just didn't know. I was like, I don't know how um like I I, I grew up in the in a season of, you know, I grew up in Christian tradition and there's a lot of like dating talk on like how to date and not to date for lots of young Christians at that time. And I was always just kind of like listening, like, okay, sounds cool, but it's not that hard. Like, just don't talk to people. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and wait for like y'all are I'm overthinking like, this dating thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, abstain from serious? talking. Right? <laughs> just stop talking. Yeah. I'm like, sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I was just always, just, I was definitely in, in my own world when it came to that, that whole thing. Um, and, yeah, it's it was really interesting. I met my husband in college and I so I actually graduated from high school at 16, started college at 16, and I ended up so I was a senior who was 19 about to turn 20 and my husband had taken uh, he had taken a year off. So it worked out that he was a freshman 19 and I was a senior 19. <laughs> and long story short, he I just kind of became my husband's very charismatic, very, um, like very friendly. I mean, he's just one of those people. He can make friends with anybody anywhere, um, and make people feel like they've known each other for years. Like he's just one of those people. And I was just kind of like one of the girls that was just not paying him any mind. And <laughs> he was just like, why? <laughs> I need to know. Like, I need to know, like, who is this girl that's, we had a, we went to a very, very small school. And he was like, I just need to know, like, who are you? Like, why aren't, so he was very intrigued by me and I was just very much so like, whoa, whoa, like I've got things to do. I'm not really trying to, <laughs> you know, um, to date anybody here. And, and I, and we were at a, a small Christian college and he was like, there's a lot of pressure on people to like find their spouse before they graduate. And I was honestly just like, I'm good. Like I've got things to do. <laughs> just, I wasn't worried about it. I mean, it's not to say I didn't think about it, but I, I just, it yeah. wasn't at the top of the list for me. Um, so I was just kind of like what I thought was just minding my own business. And it just ended up happening that he just started to like gradually work his way into my inner circle. Like my, my two or three friends <laughs> to the point that he was one of those friends being my sister um, who was also at the school. And 
to the point that he was hanging out with all of them all the time. And I'm just like, you just won't go away, will you? And all of that to was point. to get to you. Yeah, yeah. That I, must I, feel kind of good. <laughs> it does now. It does now. Um, but back then, I was just, I was so at that point. I was just like, you know what? I, I, I was just in my own in my own world. That's all I could. That's the only way I can describe sure. it. I was just like. I had applied for grad school. Um, I was looking at, I had done some study abroad and like I wanted to go back overseas and I just like had all these plans. I was just like, I know what I want to do and I'll get to that relationship thing later. So um, yeah, I, I just, it's just. And he was a just, freshman. <laughs> yeah. And he was a freshman and I was just <laughs> like, he knows nothing about life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but as it turns out, I think the thing that sort of, caused me to like pay attention to him was just yeah. the fact that he 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 does he has a way of he's very friendly and, and outgoing but he also challenges the system there you and go. I noticed that there were certain things that I saw other guys just kind of going with the flow because they're just like that's just how things are done yeah and he was just like no and one thing that was very interesting is that he at he actually had found his way to the school through um just he had this just this wild summer that he could write a whole book about where he had like found god just like honestly out of like just out of nowhere he had no he didn't grow up in like a christian home or anything and he was like meeting all these people who were telling him all these things and he was just like yeah i know what i want to do with my life like i want to get focused like i want to help people i want to and he was just yeah, he would just say what was on his mind and he wasn't afraid to just like break the protocol of like how Christian college kids date. And he was just like, whatever. He's like, I'm not going to be weird about it. I like you. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to be direct and tell you that. So I think for me, that was, that was attractive because it was yeah. just like, I think outside the box, I may not say them say these things out loud as much. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I was like, I appreciate that you say them out loud. So I, that was a huge part of my attraction and it still is. It's, it's funny now because I feel like he and I will talk about things that are outside of the box and we'll just talk about them at home just casually. Sure. And then we're out with people later and he's like sharing these ideas. So I was like, whoa, whoa. Like that was, was like, I was like, these were just inner thoughts. I was right, like, right. <laughs> it's like, they weren't for all of them. Um, so like, one thing that's really funny, it's like he'll, because, I mean, the Enneagram has just been so helpful for our marriage. So it comes up in conversation. And there are times where he, he, he doesn't listen to as many podcasts or read as many books as I do in terms of the Enneagram. So, like, I'll mention little things to him. And then, like, he'll say them, like, oh, yeah, Morgan was reading about this. Like, tell him about it. And I'm just like, no, that was just, <laughs> that was just for you. I don't feel like giving a lecture right now. So, um. So yeah, it's So you don't need <laughs> a lot from the outside world, do you? Is that I, is that I would true? Agree with that. I mean, that's yeah. Very true. And I think that's a good representation of fives. I actually think it's a good good representation of the whole triad of not needing a lot from the outside world. You don't need a lot as a seven. No. I think the you know, we talked uh in groups and stuff recently about the amount needed and the input and output yeah and it seems like five six and sevens are much more about the output they don't need a lot or think that they don't need a lot uh -huh. 
but want to give more not a but not in a yeah like unselfish way it's not about selfish or unselfish yeah. it's just mm-hmm. you know for instance you put out a uh, a lot of content great content yep. and Thank you. Th- you know the things with the in the coffee shop with the poem all those things that you didn't ask the world to the world hey to do, validate do this for me yeah. and then what do you think of this it's just here's what i've done period mm-hmm. and like i tried to sit there during that whole thing first of all i love it secondly i want to read the poem <laughs> <laughs> i won't read them on the air i won't ever tell <laughs> i still have them good <laughs> but the, the third thing is i feel like And I think I'm working on separating those two things that this will be a podcast that I'll go back and listen to several times because Mm -hmm. of how I resonate with the comfortable difference in you and me. Mm -hmm. Like normally when I'm talking to somebody who is so different from me, I'm kind of working a head thing and I try to just put my feelings somewhere else, but that's not necessary. So I'm just going to tell you publicly that what I'm going to do is I, I took on something for Lent. We happen to be recording this during Lent and I took on something for Lent and I lasted two days (laughs) and I, I usually make it all the way through Lent. So I'm a failure in what I took on, but it's because I was waiting for this thing. So here's what I'm going to do for the rest of Lent. I'm going to go twice a week to a coffee shop alone and observe people and not try to connect with anybody. Wait, uh, but I think, okay, I'd like to clear that up a little bit. She made the connection. I understand that. Okay. Yeah, I think you are going to connect with people. I That's think not, so too in a way that I of connection. Yes. I agree with okay. that. I thank you for correcting me because I think I will be connecting with people in a way that I never have before. Yeah, not try to verbally connect with people, not try to help them with their stuff, not try to <laughs> see how the barista's day is going or you know if if they need tips to balance okay, out minimum wage. Okay. 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 <laughs> That's what it's like to go to a coffee shop with me. Right there. I mean, like he does it. The the greatest thing for me and uh, my coworker, Laura, her husband, Tate, is a five. And the greatest thing, he and I both agree, is uh, the online or the app ordering for Starbucks. I walk walk in, I I say (laughs) thank you, and then head on out the door. And that's the, that's That's the interaction. There's no, and for Tate, he says that Tate's like, I would pay. 200% 200% more to use this app. Like they don't even upcharge wow. on it. I mean, he's just <laughs> all about that. And do you, yeah. you do the same? Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh, I do. Oh. Yeah. I do the online coffee order. I do lots of takeout. Orders oh. and yeah. I, and it's, and it's interesting because I think I went through, you know, before I discovered the Enneagram, it was definitely like, I think something's wrong with me. And I was just like, I'll just accept it. This is just my tragic flaw, I guess. Right. Um, but now I'm starting to see that, you know, and I, I don't know if this is a five thing or it's just a me thing, but it's like, I, I really do 
I do love like intentional moments with people. And I think sometimes like just a little passive, like, hi, how are you? Like, what's going on? Da, 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 da. That always kind of leaves me like, oh, I wish I had more. Like, I wish I had, you know, more than that. So I think for me, sometimes I would rather just be like, you know, I'll just let the moment be like, I don't have to talk. But then when I do, I, I really want to get to know that person. For instance, like the other day, um, like, cause I was like, oh, that seems somewhat characteristic of me. Why did I have this conversation? I'll just tell the story. I went to, um, I went to Chipotle, which is a restaurant where you can go through the line and get all your food. And I don't usually make conversation <laughs> like a lot when I'm in that situation and I was by myself. And it, it was something like the guy on the other side of the counter said, um, he said something, oh, they had this new queso they launched. And I was kind of on the fence if I wanted to get it or not. And I was like, oh, I was like, have you tried it by chance? And I'm going to need like, some more well, information about this queso. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, have you tried it by chance? And <laughs> he said, um, he said, no, I actually don't eat cheese. And I love cheese. And I was like, why don't you eat cheese? And we had like a whole conversation. No one else was in line. And he was just telling me like why he doesn't eat dairy. And I was like, well, have you ever tried vegan cheese? And I was just like, why am I talking to this guy? About cheese. And I, yeah. And I thought about it later. I was like, that's cheese. not me. I was like, it was after a really long day. A lot of, a lot, it was a very like extroverted day for me. And I was like, and yet still I was talking. I was like, oh, it's because we had like this anchor point. I was able to you know, I was like, talk about something that I know a lot about, which is cheese. <laughs> um, so because of that, I also know about cheese alternatives, like vegan cheese. So yeah, I, I just think for me, again, I know I can't have that all the time. So for me, I'm like, oh, I'd rather just like, not give them like, my manufactured fake version of a conversation. <laughs> but let me tell you of... what I just learned. Let me tell you what I just learned. So I'm going to teach now for a minute. You listening. Use, uh, so you use, well, I'm going to teach what you just taught me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you use the word intentional moments. And the problem with those of us who have plenty of energy and who are extroverts is we don't wait for moments to be intentional. Some numbers don't wait for a moment to be intentional. It's like every moment it has the potential of being a connection. That's a balancing act that we both need. Like I need to be intentional about moments instead of just having a hundred. Y'all are more volume shooters. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are. Then y'all are. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is when he said, I don't eat cheese, you said in return, why don't you eat cheese? That's that desire in fives to fully understand. Here's what I would have said. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine a life without cheese. I eat cheese on my burger. I eat cheese on my sandwiches. I eat crackers and cheese for a snack. I, 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 I. Because it doesn't occur to me like it does your triad to ask questions rather than make statements. And so I'm wondering if you and I, Morgan and Suzanne, go out for a morning. Where do you live in California? We may do this. Yes, I'm in Orange County. All right. I, th this is a potential coffee date. 
where I oh, promise I, I won't not, touch not you. Not one of your two. This is not one of my two during Lent because I want to talk to you. But this is a potential coffee date where we go. We went out into the world, and our goal was to balance between the way you see and do life and the way I see and do life. And I don't know if it would make your life better, but it would enhance mine. Mm-hmm. because I'm always focused outward and it keeps me from knowing what's inside of me. I have to learn to heal myself from the inside out instead of from the outside in. And you know how to do that. Mm-hmm. You're young and you know how to do that already. And I think it's because of fiveness. And and that might not be, but I think it is. Okay, can we talk about something now besides what I'm probably going to mess up during Lynn? Yeah, love the coffee date. That sounds amazing. All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. If I'm I'm supposed to be in California a couple of times in the coming year, maybe three. We'll see what we can work out. I had a note from to, in preparation for this, but then I've heard two stories that have touched on it, and that is, uh, I've heard you speak a lot re- recently about even in spiritual practices, I think is the most recent time I heard it is for people to give themselves space to change their mind, to maybe discern a path, yeah. but it's not set in stone. Right. So the three examples that, that I have from this conversation and from my notes are one, your Lent thing that you were going to do a thing for Lent. It didn't go. And then you didn't spend the next four weeks, Yep. five weeks, how long is Lent? I don't know. Uh, 42 yeah 42 days if you count Sundays 46 Uh, it's 40 days but if you count Sundays it's 46 which is beating yourself up and yeah it's like it didn't work whatever people would do to themselves Uh, another story I love that you tried the private school and then you your parents gave you that space to change your mind that this we tried this it didn't work and to go another way I think I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of people would, I, I can hear say, you've made this choice. We're going to see it through the end of the school year or through the year. There's some merit to that, but I just think there's a whole lot of merit to it's okay to change your mind. Yep. And then the the third thing in preparation for this, and this will be possibly, I want to hear y'all talk about that, but a, a transition into talking about some more of your professional things is that you started off in music. And then your career, you know, you looked at that and evaluated it and have gone kind of a different path with your writing and your poetry and your art. And so, first of all, if y'all can talk about just how to, how to keep giving people permission and to change their mind and what that's looked like for y'all. And then we can get into the other things. You want me to go first or you want to? Oh, I can go first. I can just add a girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started with, um, I, you know, I, as I mentioned before, I grew up in a very creative family and I was encouraged to try the arts and be curious about the arts and try all the things. And I would say that even though I was more drawn to, writing and kind of being in my journal and my notebook, that was sort of my, and still is where I begin. <laughs> I, music 
quite literally makes more noise. <laughs> and even figuratively, it just makes more noise. It gets people's attention more. So as I started to kind of try musical instruments, I was very much so like, even though I'm self-taught, I was like, I'm going to learn this the right way. Um, I'm going to learn this in, in whatever the the lessons out there that I can learn. At the time, there was no like YouTube, like, I mean, YouTube was out, but it wasn't yeah. like it is today with like tons of yeah. tutorials and things. So all I had was um, the guitar chord websites. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I just have to learn all of the the songs that they say you should learn how to play on guitar. So like the first songs I was learning how to play were like Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, like that's that's what that's you cool. You play guitar, like okay. Who, who's ready to hear Wonderwall that. by Oasis? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it just became this really interesting thing because I started playing, and I was just really intrigued by the process of learning. And it was actually my mom who was like, because she knew that I could sing, um, but I didn't. I didn't really love to sing, but I she sings, and I grew up around singing, and you know. Was, like preacher's kid, like it, it just happens. Like you are not sing. Um, it's just like my mom went, cause I was homeschooled. She said one day, um, this is kind of after the whole school thing. She was like, um, the whole public school thing. And she was like, Hey, like you should try to write a song. You know, you're playing guitar and you know how to sing and you like to write, like all that kind of comes together. You should yeah. try to write a song. And I was like, no, people don't do that. That's weird. I'll just kind of stick with what I'm doing. And then she was like, okay, fine. Um, I'm going to make that an assignment. You have to do it. I was like, great. Okay. So I started writing songs as an assignment because my mom told me Thank I had you. to. <laughs> she made me do it. And, you know, I'm glad she did because I was like, oh, I guess I can write songs. This is a way of kind of communicating with other people in a way that maybe I struggle to do in conversation. I'm able to say what I've been wanting to say or trying to say like one of the first songs I wrote was called Preacher's Kid and it was just sort of about that experience and so I found comfort in that and I just by the nature of the fact that you know I'm not like ashamed to say I'm like I know how to sing and I know how to play and just by that nature of it people are like oh well you should perform you should try and even you know try to like be a star and this is in a time where, you know, American Idol is, is on the rise, where, where Taylor Swift is on the rise and everyone's like, oh yeah, girls a guitar, go for it, do it, do it. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, I didn't feel comfortable doing it, but at the same time I was growing up and I was like, well, I guess I got to find a job. I guess I got to do something. So everyone's saying like, this is what you should do. If you have the skills, then I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And so that's how, that's honestly kind of how I, I began to pursue music because I felt like that's what was expected of me. I was like, well, if you know how to do something, then you need to do it in the world. Like, that's what you do. And maybe no one said it to me directly that way, but it was mm-hmm. just like hearing that from, from people everywhere, anyone who could hear, hear me sing and play. I mean, not anyone, but, you know, people who heard sure. me sing and play are like, yeah, do something with that. So I felt kind of like it was expected. I felt kind of obligated to. So I ended up studying music in college, um, graduated from college. And, and I have a sister who's also in music and she's two years younger than me. And she is kind of a more extroverted um, type seven. And she loves, 
she loves performing. Like it brings her alive. And she had started to kind of get some notoriety and things. And I, I didn't really have as much opportunity as she had had. And cause she's just much more driven yeah. <laughs> about yeah. it in terms of getting it out there. And I honestly was just like, well, I guess I'll, I'll just kind of follow behind my sister. And I ended up doing that because she started getting these opportunities to, um, to just write songs and also write songs for other artists. And that yeah. was really interesting to me. And I was like, okay, I'll do this whole music thing if I get to write more songs. Like that yeah. sounds like fun. So that was honestly like how I ended up <laughs> in music. It was very much so like, okay, I have this thing that I know how to do. Um, I feel exhausted and drained after every single concert. Um, anytime we would do shows, I mean, it, it's still this day, it takes me days to recover. Um, I was like, but at the same time, I, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. It's what I'm supposed to do. And I would just push through and push through. And, and many amazing opportunities came out of that. Incredible lessons that, I mean, some of the people I've worked with, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm so glad. Like, I never would have gotten a chance to do any sure. of those things had I not been pushed in that way. But when I was 26 and actually living in Dallas at the time, because we had lived in, me and my husband, we had lived in Nashville for a little bit. And it was starting to look like music was going to take even more out of me than, yeah, than it gives. Than I, yeah. And I was just like, you know, we're, we're kind of broke. Um, yeah. And I was like, we're kind of broke and exhausted all the time. there's something weird happening here um so we were literally like let's move to dallas let's just go rent is cheap and off we go (laughs) yeah yeah that's why that was a huge reason why it was just to kind of like take a break and we got there and shortly after i was just like oh no i made a mistake that was my job i don't have a backup plan what am i supposed to do and essentially what I'm doing today is, as a writer and artist was I wrote a poem about feeling like a failure. Yeah. And I wrote this poem about feeling like I had wasted not only my time, but mm-hmm. everyone else who had believed in me, who had supported me, you know, my, my parents had, had supported and poured so much into me growing up. And then, you know, my husband, like he had like, he had been on, he had been tour managing and traveling with me and doing all these things. And I'm like, Whoa, a lot of people have given to this. And this is what I've made of it. Like, this is what I've done with my life. And, um, I don't cry very much, but in that moment, it was just like, (laughs) I guess like a lot of suppressed tears (laughs) came out and, at the end of that, I wrote that poem and the poem starts with, it says, when you start to feel like things should have been better this year, remember the mountains and valleys that brought you here. And the way that I described the writing of that poem, it, it honestly just kind of felt like what God was trying to tell me because as I read it, I didn't, I was still skeptical of it. I didn't really believe it. I was just like, mm, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I wasted my time. Um, that was yeah. kind of what I was still telling myself in that moment. And yeah, so it came this whole new season. It came from trying so hard to feel like I had to be this music artist because I had skills to do it, right. to just kind of like, I can't do it anymore. And then I just started writing poems about, about that experience. It, was that the line you just hit? Was that the genesis of your song storyteller? 
about the mountains and valleys or you know i never put that connection together that song actually came out a whole year before that okay yeah and i never even put the connection about the whoa i never (laughs) put that together wow that song i mean that poem kind of follows that song oh my goodness thank you for that (laughs) yeah you bet wow you know i think um my parents actually are the reason that I was able to, am able to change my mind about things. Uh, my my parents had a lot of room. They were very evolved folks. And they kind of allowed people, including me, to be on their own journey. And I, you know, if you had asked us at any point along the way until one day we started working together, if we were going to work together in LTM and that was going to be our life, the answer would have been, what are you talking about? Like there, there are several things that have happened that have gotten me here that I never would have expected. <laughs> sure. <So. laughs> but, but what I'm saying is the journey only stops if you can't follow the bend in the road. Right. It, I was going to say there's a, there's a lot of metaphors around this kind of, subject but i think when we give up control that's it and you know just go where and go on the journey go on the road that is given to us instead of going straight and not being able to turn when the road turns yep and i think a lot of people don't turn when the road turns and they're really unhappy as they stay unhappy. they're off the path they yeah. s- and they stay unhappy thinking they're on the path that and that they have to stay yeah. in that direction you can't change course yeah you know we yeah. all uh are christian and grew up in christian context and in that um world this uh quote from father richard Rohr is very valuable and he says the best protection from the next word of god is the last word of god mm-hmm. and so for those of us who tried even as young adults, to discern what, where God was leading us and what we would do. It's for a time. You know, my husband, as you probably know, was a Catholic priest until he was 40. And then he became their father and my husband and our hero. And we've been together for 33 years. And it's like, if, if we had not taken that turn, we would have all been lacking so much and it somehow it feels less courageous to do it than to not do it that's what i would say did it feel that way for you it did feel like it was it took less courage to stay in music than to leave it more courage. I said that wrong. That it took more courage to stay in music than to leave music and see what was next. It's like there's yeah, a point I, where you know you can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It took, yeah, it took. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't even know it what took, I just said. It about took, no, it took, no, I. You said it, it. Did it take more courage to stay? And yes, it did. It, it took because. I felt like I, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Exactly. Like, this is what I should do. Like it's, there was, there was guilt attached to that. Exactly. There was, you know, I was like, oh, like I have to do this because 
that's what's expected. That's right. And then it's just like, I and then you just up and move to Dallas with no, yeah. with no nothing. <laughs> and somehow yeah. that takes less courage. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It it's was, like, it that's just, the crazy thing, but it's the yeah, easier it was, thing to uh, do. I, I have a way of um, pivoting. <laughs> I am, I will say that that is, you know, one of my strengths is because of, I can be um, unattached. <laughs> I have a way of like, when the time comes, all out right, of here, out of here, <laughs> like leave all things behind. We are hitting the highway, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I do have a way of doing that. And, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, Morgan, you should have slowed down a little bit, <laughs> but sometimes it ends up working out. And, you know, that's like non-attachment. It's very yeah. Buddhist like, right? Like yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not attached, but the truth is you are the most detached Enneagram number. And I think fives hear that negatively about themselves. I think other people hear it in a negative way. And you just reframed that with your life story by saying, when it's time to pivot, I'm not attached. I pivot. Well, I, yeah. I think it's when I was getting ready for this and I wrote down three quotes from some of your prints. And the three quotes that I wrote down were, you can still know peace without knowing what comes next. Yep, there it is. The other one was, let this be the year you choose courage over fear. And so much has changed and I still have hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it all stems from being able to name that control is an illusion. It's like we feel like we have so much control when we have so little. It's just an illusion. I'm an old I, woman trying to learn that. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I think about that a lot. Um, and not to sound like, I don't, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but it's just, I think about that a lot of like, yeah, I don't have control. <laughs> like, you know, I think about, I'll take, I'll give you like, for instance, what natural disasters, you know, I just, I'm like, wow, like there's so little control and it's right. heartbreaking. It's so hard to see people's entire worlds just uprooted because of tornadoes, earthquakes. And it's just like, even in the smallest ways, it's like you never know what the next day could bring. And, you know, I think that it, it makes sense to be fearful of it in a sense of like, oh no, I don't want to lose my life or I don't want to lose people I love. We don't want to lose our lives. We don't want to lose people that we love. Um, and at the same time, it's like, well, it does, that lack of control that we have, it does also give us the freedom to just like run free <laughs> and to just like be here in this moment and and make something of it. It's like, well, I can't, I may not be able to fix all of the big things, but what small things can I do to make this life matter? And I, I believe that so much. Like, I just, that's something that, you know, I, I definitely like, I, I don't know if you guys like, are like the whole type A type B thing. Like, I do feel like I kind of fall into like the whole type B category. Just like, eh, just let it happen. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> I feel like it can go down a, a, a path, but I do, I, I feel like I'm learning how to see that, hey, it's a, it can be a strength in some places of my life to just be like, I'm, I'm okay with, with letting go. I'm okay with holding things loosely. 
And, it sure um, creates a lot of questions. Yeah. Mm. So uh, my, yeah. my experience with tornadoes recently is uh, quite expansive, actually. Uh, the tornado that came through Dallas was mm -hmm. less than a quarter mile from our home and less than a quarter mile from the Micah Center. And we left Nashville early from being there teaching. Joe and I decided to come home a day early and the tornado hit. It's like, it's and then we keep hearing from people in Nashville how close it was to our hotel. And so the thing that I want to put out in the world is this, and I'd like for you to speak to it. You already have a little bit. And that is, I feel like I'm called, I know I can't control that, but I do feel like it's my responsibility to be aware of how close it came to the edge of my life mm -hmm. and to stay aware. It's like, stay awake, Suzanne because you're worried about controlling the little stuff and you're not even mindful of all the things that could happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't be present if I can't stay awake. Mm -hmm. So as a two, I cheat on presence with cheap connection to other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to wish I hadn't said that forever. Uh, but, but she's heard it now. So it, it's out there. It, uh, but I do that. And I don't think you do. I don't think you cheat on connections. And I think that's because of your fiveness. And I think I do cheat. And I think that's because of my two-ness. I will say like, I, I hear another side of that too, in the sense of like, I have a lot of twos in my life that I love. Yeah. And I will say that I've had moments where some of my two friends have said things to me that for them, that's just like how they flow. They're just encouraging. Yeah. They just give yeah. and give and give. And those words have stayed with me for all of time. Yeah. And I go back and I'm like, do you remember when you said that? They're like, nope, no memory. Nope, nope. nope. So I, it's like, for me, I, I'm also, even though I don't, feel like I have the capacity to give in that way I am very grateful for those people who give in small bits because I feel like I give that in my private time when I when I have control over like the setting I'm in when I'm making but when I'm out in the world I'm just like oh I can't control any of this so I'm just gonna shut down <laughs> um so I will say that you know I'm grateful because I even just think about, you know, other types that may be listening. Like, sure. I'm grateful for people. And, and I feel like I, I end up having a lot of those people in my community that, you know, with what I share, I'm grateful for the people who take that time to, they, they don't even realize that. And I'm sure you're like that as well. Like you, yeah. you've said things that have changed the courses of people's lives that you might not even remember saying. For sure, for sure. And I just think that there's a beauty in that too. And that's why I just love this. Like I have this like thing where I think about a lot with, um, I feel like I read it somewhere and now I feel bad. Cause I'm like, yeah, I feel like I should probably be giving someone credit for this. I just don't remember who said it. <laughs> so if you said it, please let me know. Um, but just some, uh, it's along the lines of how, how sometimes like the things that we perceive as, as weaknesses, like in some ways they could be strengths. Absolutely. So that's something that I, I just love. I think um, I, I would love for you with, with your coming days and work to continue to put out in the world 
how you connect with people without them knowing you're connecting. I, I feel so disconnected all the time now from so many folks, you know. You talked about the duality of strengths and weaknesses. And I heard that a lot in some of the music of yours that I listened to, like I said, with the mountains and the valleys and, and other things. And what I really like that both of y'all have shared in your work is the bigger concept of story and how important story is. And then also within that story, the way you put it, mom is, you know, you can tell it as a victim and as a victor and help me, uh, Morgan, if I don't describe this well, one of the things, one of the things that you do, people can send in their stories to you and then you come up with a print and give, and give that back to them. And I think that's a, that's such a cool tool for people to hear an outside perspective of their story. It could open their eyes to some things, you know, that whole, the dichotomy of fear versus faith and courage versus being frightened. And it's a telling, sharing your story is such a great way to work through that. Yes, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And that's a huge reason why, I started to write for other people's stories was because I was realizing that in these, these internet moments where people were sharing, like, you know, when I shared that first poem that I mentioned a while ago, I started to get messages from people and they were saying like, this is what this poem meant to me. And I was like, I don't, I can't recall having conversations like this in my life. Like, about people sharing these things and I was just like this is new and and I'm just like I just want to find a way to let this person know who took the time to share this very personal thing with me that I hear them like I know I can't fix their issue um but it meant a lot to me like it and it still means a lot to me um I I you know because I and I say this just for context like I have like over a million Instagram followers and people will ask me like, why do you still respond to comments? Like, why are you responding to my DMs? And I'm just like, it's because I really honestly, sincerely value this connection that's happening. Like, this is how I understand the world. It's like, yes, I'm doing this from a place of of generosity. And, and also I'm doing this from a place of like, this is how I connect with people. I connect with people by hearing their stories. Like, I love to hear the stories of where people have been. And I started to notice, I'm like, that's how I, I learned more about my story hearing from other people. Sure. There's things that people have said just passively. And I'm just like, oh, that makes sense for me. <laughs> Thank you for saying it that way. Um, so yeah, it, it just so happens to be that something that I'm really curious about just happens to be very shareable, I guess. <laughs> but, but that wasn't think- the, the goal at first at all. Don't, I'm sorry to interrupt, but don't you oh, think that people who do share their stories love to think that in a time where everything is moving so fast, it was marked in the world in some way? Like you, you mm-hmm. put a marker where people have shared, have risked the vulnerability of sharing their story. You leave a marker there for that. And I, I think it takes away the sense that it doesn't matter you know, it's just me. It doesn't matter. 
it all matters because we're all connected all the time. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's why I get a lot of requests around um, birthdays and anniversaries. Sure. Uh, People asking, can I write something for a birthday anniversary? And I talk about them like, why is that? And I was like, because it's like in this life where there are all these ups and downs and all of this uncertainty, you know, within your personal life and then in the world at large, it's like, there are these moments that we all have, as long as we're living once a year that says, well, I made it here. (laughs) I made it to this point. Like this is a marker that my life, I, I made it one more year. And yeah, I just think that it's taking that moment, even just a, a few minutes with someone to just say that, like you said, a marker, I think that's a really, really good, good image. I like that a lot. You said you get a lot of requests around birthdays and anniversaries. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. We're doing a lot of work right now around LTM uh, with grief and kind of the other side of life. Do you get very many requests around death? And I don't think anybody's requesting poems about divorce, but uh, it's uh, death and sickness and Uh, most. Yeah. So most have to do with something significant yeah. birthday anniversary someone just passed away loss. someone that's yeah. yeah loss loss is huge yeah. um because i think those are just moments where you don't know what to say there's nothing to fix it there's nothing to undo loss and it's like the it's like well can i at least have something to commemorate commemorate to to say this was real this is beautiful um that was actually I actually wrote, because I, I woke up this morning, The, first, the it's, I try to do it at least multiple times a week. And this morning I woke up and I wrote a letter to someone and that's what it, it was about. I, I wrote to her. I was just saying that, you know, as, as you reach like the end, the reason why you feel, well, the reason why you may feel like so many things about this chapter is because it mattered. Right. And yeah, I, I totally believe that. I think it's just really, yeah, losses, losses tough. and. And I, I do end up writing a lot about it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think people just want other people to know in their quiet lives that they were here. Mm-hmm. Living and breathing and loving and caring and losing yes. and dying. and But they were here. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't know where this is on the heavy or deep line, but what do you wish people knew about fives? Hmm. I wish... People knew that fives do want community. We do want friends. It's just might look a little different than how that looks for others. And, you know, some people may desire to have, I mean, not all fives are the same. I don't want to generalize, but I do think that, that I, I've seen things like said online, like, oh, well, you know, fives, they don't want us. Like, no, we do. We do want community. Like we do, like we're human beings. Like everyone else, everyone's wired for this. Like we're, we want this. It's just, we just have a different way of going about it. And one little simple, like practical thing I would give is like, again, I'm not generalizing, but I've just, with fives I've talked to. And it's like, if, if a five, recommends um a book to you or a podcast or a documentary they're connecting with you 
they're Nathan. trying to connect. It's it's not just like a random recommendation. It's like, no, like there's a story in that. And I, I, I started to tell my friends that I'm like, just so you know, when I loan you a book, when I give you something like that is how I connect. That is how I'm like trying to connect to you. So, yeah. So wise. So wise. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is been so meaningful. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you all so much. What a great conversation. Yeah. So, So, um, conversations I'm like, all right.